Welcome to Love Rules, the radio ministry of Roxbury Presbyterian Church in Boston. My mom, Liz Walker, was Boston's first African-American television news anchor, but her most important job is what she does right now at RPC, preaching the good news about God's love. The Bible says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. How does that work? Join my mom now as she offers us Love Rules from Roxbury Presbyterian Church. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Love Rules. The message today, God of the Turnaround. And the text, Isaiah, the 40th chapter, the 1st through 11th verses. I'm going to give you time to open that up, and I'll say it again. Isaiah, the 40th chapter, the 1st through the 11th verses. I'm just going to read a few of those texts. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God, and every valley should be lifted up and every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Picture the opening scene of this text as the prophet Isaiah depicts it. The God of Israel has assembled a heavenly host, servants of the Most High, to speak to his people. It is a message of compassion and mercy. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. We're all quite familiar with the beautiful language of today's text. Its words are literally the music of the Christmas season. The phrases are all part of Handel's Messiah, you'll remember. The story goes when Handel debuted this music in 1742 in Dublin, Ireland, an enthusiastic member of the audience congratulated him for a wonderful piece of entertainment. And Handel was incredulous. Entertainment was not his intention. He scored the text to teach people about God. Some may be just as confused about the prophet Isaiah's motivation. Isaiah was not just a prophet. He was a poet. His passages are the most beautiful in the Bible. While this passage is majestic and lyrical, it is much more than poetry, and its power comes from the fact that it does not stand alone. You see, chapter 40 begins what is known as 2nd Isaiah. It follows those first 39 chapters that explain the desperate state of the nation of Israel. The country and the people have fallen into deep moral and spiritual decline. They've shown arrogance and injustice against the poor and the weak. Israel, according to the prophet, has disobeyed God. So the first book of Isaiah is a book about God's judgment. This nation will be attacked by its enemies. There will be a costly occupation by Babylon. Israel's economy will be destroyed. There are times when the first 39 chapters would really sound like God is a God of nothing but wrath. Because God's judgment is aimed squarely at God's people who try to hide their plans from the Lord, the text says, who do their evil deeds in the dark. And this as the turmoil is unfolding for the entire first half of the book. But then in chapter 40, the prophet abruptly and dramatically shifts his focus through the guidance of these heavenly voices. Isaiah's tone changes from judgment to comfort. 
From Justice to Mercy. Some scholars argue that this book is not the work of one prophet at all, that many prophets wrote this book. It covers too great a period, the reign of too many kings. There are inexplicable breaks in the timeline and a a difficult uh, chronology. If you've ever read Toni Morrison, you know that she's the kind of writer like Isaiah here. You have to work to keep up with her stories. (laughs) But I suggest to you this morning that there is a theological insight in the way Isaiah structures his prophecy. Insight that can tell us something about the nature of God that helps us look to the future. In the midst of Israel's disobedience, while it is just beginning to stumble into its time of crisis, the prophet speaks for a God who can see a future that Israel can't begin to comprehend. God who can get them through this trouble with his grace. Comfort my people, says your God. The seeds of Israel's change take roots in the soil of its adversity. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Cry to her that she has served her term. Even though Israel has turned her back on God, God has not forsaken Israel. Despite her disobedience, God stands ready for the turnaround. I just love that idea. The prophet Isaiah speaks for the God of the turnaround. In the middle of the worst crisis you can go through, in the middle of chaos, God is standing by with comfort and correction, a change of course. I'm talking about a God who can speak joy into despair, speak hope into hopelessness, a God who is always willing and ready to turn something down into something up, something bad into something good, something dead into something alive. Our God is a turnaround God. When you think about it, turnaround is one of the key themes of the Bible. When the Israelites are fleeing Pharaoh and find themselves facing the Red Sea, God turns that water around. When Joseph's brother throw him in a pit, leaving him for dead, God turns the end game into a new game. When Paul and Silas are thrown into prison, God causes an earthquake that opens up the prison doors and turns their situation around. And when Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem, the universe was turned completely around. Your future and mine turned around. But in order to reap all the benefits of a turnaround God, you have to learn to become a turnaround believer. And that's one of the greatest lessons of the Bible. It is a stepping stone of faith. It is what God sent Jesus to teach us. In order to be born again, you must die to your old self. In order to save your life, you must lose it for the sake of Jesus Christ. You know, there's a deadly trap in thinking that we are saved by grace. Because sometimes when we say we're saved by grace, then we think it doesn't matter what we do. We're covered. Grace covers us. Israel is in this mess because Israel disobeyed God. And because of that, Israel is exiled from all they know. When you insist on going your own way, following your own will, then you are creating spiritual exile. Now, that doesn't mean God is cutting you off. That means you are cutting God off. The Israelites had endless opportunities to bow down and repent before God. But through it all, they forgot all his blessings and they refused to acknowledge him. 
They became arrogant and self-sufficient. It's a typical and ongoing human response. I call it spiritual exile. When we become arrogant and think we have all the answers, we run the risk of cutting God off. When we become self-righteous and thank God we're not sinners like the rest of them, we're cutting God off. When we rebel and refuse to ask for forgiveness, we are creating spiritual exile, cutting ourselves off from God. And that is sin. And you have to name sin as sin. You have to. We, we get so caught up sometimes in grace that we forget, no, 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 we are sinners. Taking responsibility for our actions and then repenting for them. That means trying not to repeat them. That means changing. That means turning. I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry, God. I'm going to try to change. I'm going to do the best I can not to repeat that sin. That is our turnaround. God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. We serve a God who is the God of the turnaround. But we have to do some changing and turning around ourselves. And people really don't like that. Change is hard. It is so much easier just to go the way I've been going. All I have to do is confess. But there's more to this journey than just the confession. There has to be some action. We have to do as best we can what we can to stop our action that is against God. And that's the part that is so hard for any of us. Oh, we definitely serve a God of the turnaround. But he expects some turnaround from us. Yes, we are sinners saved by grace. But we don't want to cut ourselves off from God. We want to constantly, desperately appeal to God. And this notion of repentance is so important in our spiritual journey. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Not enough just to apologize. We have to turn from our wrongdoing as best we can. Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, the third verse. I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You are precious and honored in my sight. I love you. We serve a turnaround God. We are blessed. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Roxbury Presbyterian Church is located at 328 Warren Street, right in the heart of Roxbury. Come worship with us on Sundays at 11 a.m. This is a listener-supported program. We invite you to partner with us and learn the many ways that love rules. Visit us on our website, roxburypresbyterianchurch.org, or call us at 617-445-2116. Love will reign if you let me.